When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to Stumps. Yes, welcome to Stumps. Great to have you here again on a Saturday talking all things cricket right around the land and so much cricket too. We've got Shield Games to wrap up. Australia regaining the Chapel Hadley Trophy with a clean sweep of New Zealand. They'll now turn their attention to Pakistan who have uh, done a number on the Cricket Australia 11 over the course of the week, particularly with the ball. Mohamed Amir taking three wickets in the first five balls of the innings, and he's certainly a guy that's got an interesting history. We we do know we'll have a chat about the live test match between India and England in just a moment. And as always, you can get involved on our open line for Kookaburra Cricket, whether uh, red, pink or white. The cooker is the choice for cricketers across Australia and the world. And remember, if it ain't a cooker, it ain't cricket. Hashtag Team Kookaburra. Darren Parkin is my name. Murph Hughes, 53 tests, 200. 112 wickets for Australia and Merv, nice to uh, have you with us again. All right, Dash, how are you? All right, going along well, mate. It's uh, there's a lot happening. Oh, huge, huge, hasn't it? It's been a big week. The three one days, Australia won convincingly, and uh, New Zealand. It's not as though they're they're out of form. They've just no. been Pakistan over there and uh, come over here. The extra pace in the wickets. Um, and also the extra pace in the Australian bowlers would make a difference. I would have thought Nish, if you've got someone like Nishim batting at four, you're probably a little thin with the bat. I mean, yeah. Not that he's a bad player, but you, I mean, Ross Taylor was clearly an absence that they felt. Yeah, Ross, Ross Taylor, um, he's, he's probably coming towards the yeah. end of his career, which is, is safe to say. So um, they, they'll be looking for someone else. But they've got um, Kane Williamson mm-hmm. and they've got Guptill at the top of the order and the other guys you look at you think they're, they're really not going to hurt you they might make a, a 30 yeah, or a 40 or a, yeah. and one in one in 10 maybe one in 20 they might, might go on and get a big score so uh, for me New Zealand relying too heavily on too few to get the work done um, Southie and, and Bolt um, looked the goods mm-hmm. um, Henry looked a, a little bit um, shy of pace to worry the Australians and Ferguson um, looks as though he's got something. A, a young bloke uh, just starting out, and he's got some pace. He does. Um, yeah. So whether he develops, we'll keep an eye on him over the next couple of years. But uh, Sheffield Shield cricket, some interesting results there. Uh, Victoria Tassie um, down in Hobart. Victoria win the you know, two points for the first innings and and chasing uh, three hundred about three sixty one. Three sixty one. You're all over it, Dash. Yeah. Um, Eight down, and a lot of people say, well, a comfortable draw, but when you think that John yeah. Hastings wasn't going to bat it, there would have been some tense moments there for Victoria. That's so. a great shield game, though, because yes. with, with an hour to go, every result was possible. Yes. Both sides could win and a draw. So Yeah, yeah. so 
Um, listen, Victoria are still unbeaten um, in, in Sheffield Shield cricket and going along nicely. New South Wales v South Australia. And the interesting one here, yeah. uh, New South Wales bowled out cheaply in the second innings off the back of Chad Sayers, another five-wicket haul. And what were your stats on his day-night figures? So bearing in mind the next test is a pink ball test yes. against Pakistan. He's played two pink ball Shield games and taken 19 wickets at eight this it's, summer. That's not bad. He's going, taken a six it? for two fifers and a three. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, in devastating form of the while, pink ball. While the Test 12 remains the same, yeah. you would think he'd that, replace uh, Bird, he'd, he'd, he'd replace Bird yep. possibly. I uh, don't want to tell the selectors mm. how to do their jobs. but um, You've been a selector, and, so that's what you would South, do. Yeah. And South Australia mm. um, chasing only 128 down. Mm. Uh, getting those, so just got across the mark, and and they were seven for ninety-seven. Uh, so uh. basically, off the back of Chad Sayers, mm. have had that win, and and WA Queensland looked like a, a great game. Uh, Queensland led by a couple of hundred first innings, got bowled out for for. Um, 138, 138 yeah. Yeah, all over that. I was just made me notes. I've lost them for a minute. <laughs> uh, with Kawaja continuing, got a, a hundred in the first innings, but 61. Um, and then uh, West Australia got them two down with Wells, uh, former Tasmanian, making 100, and Voges 80 not out. So just letting the, the test selectors know that he's, he's still around. Yeah, Ashton Turner made 100 for the second time for Western Australia this summer as a young player in the middle order, so he's going pretty well. But Queensland really wasted Kawaja's form in uh, in that match. In the second innings, he makes 61, and they get yep. bowled out for 138. They should have been able to build something around him and yeah, you would get a significant so. lead. So. Yeah, you, you would think so. So um, you, you don't know whether that's complacency. I went yeah. 200 in front. Um, we'll just set the game up and they mm. go out and, and try Play and too, many too shots. much. Yeah. yeah, so um, obviously disappointing for, for Queensland. You mentioned the Pakistan-Australian 11 side. Um, Pakistan seemed to dominate that, that game. But With the ball especially. How, yeah. how strong is that Australian 11 yeah. game? You have a look at that. It's it's neither an Australian A team. Um, it's just a, a heap of young kids packed together and, and ultimately probably not too many of those young guys are playing Sheffield Shield cricket. So you, you can't really get an indication on, on Pakistan's form. They they struggled in in um, New Zealand. Uh, they come over here. That win will do their confidence good. And as you said, Amir looks to be in, in pretty good form, um, taking early wickets. And I think in the Test match in Brisbane, um, that's a bloke they've got to be a little bit worried about, and especially early on with that new ball. He, he can uh, swing the ball around, and you'd think that he'd have favourable conditions. Uh, up in up in Brisbane. Yeah, you'd think he would. He took two wickets to the first two balls of the innings, which doesn't happen very often. So two golden ducks in a row, yep. and then took another one with the fifth ball of the first over. So they were three for none or five deliveries. Yeah, well, they were four Australia. for so five over. Four, yeah, four for five. Did, he, Australian, all of them. Yeah, yeah. The, the cricket Australian eleven did did uh, do well to bowl Pakistan out for just over two hundred from mm-hmm. memory. And then yeah, yeah, we're going to think, oh, they're, they're not in a bad uh, spot here, and yeah. all of a sudden they're they're four for five overnight. Mm. Once you're four for five. Um, yeah, you're yeah. right behind the eight ball. So, but of that, um, Pakistan would be happy with that, and certainly be happy with uh, Amir's performance. And um, England playing India, um, gee, there's there's been some um, some cricket going on there, and uh, England off the back of that Bangladesh series, uh, they they thought they'd have a, a couple mm. of um, easy practice matches against Bangladesh to get themselves yeah. right for India. That didn't quite work out for them. So, as you said, Dash, plenty to talk about. Absolutely. They're, uh, Women's Big Bash today. Yeah, absolutely. That all, all got underway. So, big uh, Bash starts in a couple of weeks. Gee. It does. It's, it's We've, uh, the tips for the Women's Big Bash are that I think it's the Stars, the Strikers and the Sixers are the big three, they think. But um, we'll wait and see how that all pans out. On Muhammad Amir, and not deliberately getting sort of political or anything like that, but he obviously served, I think it was a five-year ban for his involvement in that spot-fixing situation against England and Australia in England in 2010. 
Uh, are you happy, given he's a, he's a young man, he was 17, I think, at the time, that he served his band and he comes back? Are you comfortable with the game saying, well, you've you've made your mistake, you've gone and served your time, now you're back playing again? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, five years out of the game for a bloke <laughs> of his age is, is a long time. Um, it's it's no slap on the wrist. Mm. Um, so they, they took a, a big stance against that. And um, for him to to get back and, and do as well as he has been doing, I think it's a great story. So, um, yes, you can make a mistake, um, but uh, serve your penance and, and come back and um, play some cricket, young fella. And I, I think it's good for the game. Um, obviously, what he did, um, I don't condone. I think it's absolutely shocking that people mm. get um, caught up in that. And I, I suppose, Dash, for me, that's what's going to happen if, if you've got people motivated by money yeah. um, that are within any industry. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and, and Pakistan players, and I, as I said, I don't condone mm-hmm. it and I'm not making excuses, but Pakistani players don't don't earn that much money. So yeah. um, for him to bowl a couple of no balls and get paid big money for it, um, he'd be sitting there, well, it's not affecting the outcome of the game. It's not match fixing. Yeah. Um, it's just spot spot betting that mm. um, really turns it upside down. But uh, listen, for him, mm-hmm. um, did the wrong thing. Um Got got whacked with a heavy penalty, mm-hmm. um, and and he's come back. So I, I reckon good luck to him. He served his served his time. Uh, let him let him move forward. Let's, yeah, let's not reflect on the past. He'll be good to watch this summer. That's for sure. You can get involved on the Kookaburra Cricket Open Line. If it ain't a cooker, it ain't cricket. Hashtag Team Kookaburra. And a little bit uh, later on this hour, in fact, in about fifteen minutes or so, we're going to catch up with Justin Langer for the first instalment of our VB Cricket Memorable Moments. Uh, VB are releasing ten cans, commemorative cans, uh, all with ten different. Memorable moments of cricket on it, and one of them is Australia regaining the Ashes in 2006-7 in a whitewash after the brilliant series that was 05 when England took them back from Australia. Well, don't, so. don't say that to uh, Justin Langer that the 2005 series brilliant. Yeah, I'll, 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 I reckon I'll rip, say that for now. It was oh, a, I reckon yeah. he'd rip your head off. I think he would. <laughs> uh, from a, from a, a not neutral because we're Australian, yeah. but that was a cracking series, and then obviously yeah. Australia turned the table well, yeah, and dominated I, the uh, the next one. It was so. interesting. Um, I was selecting at that time in yeah. 2005. Went over there. Um, very much the, the favourites, yeah. and, and it was a great Test series. It was, and I, I reckon yeah. it put Test cricket back on the map. Yeah. And England got up two one from yeah, there, and tight won, wins, yeah. won the the last Test at um, at the Oval or mm-hmm. drew the last drew test, the last yeah. Test. KP drew, made a big hundred, yeah, yeah. drew the last Test at the Oval to um, to to keep that lead, and then the Australian players mm. um, just planning forward to the mm. next time they they beat England. You, you sort of sat in the room, and mm. after that, and and just. The, the feeling in the rooms immediately mm. after the game and, and moving on after that, I, I just felt very sorry for England the next time we came up <laughs> against them because uh, yeah. to a man, the Australian players were absolutely gutted mm-hmm. and uh, they were very determined to, to get a little bit of payback on England. And Australia won the Ashes in 10 days of cricket in that next series. That's how long it took to, uh, mm. to get it back. We'll take a break. We'll have a chat after this break to Shami Adas Gupta from uh, Crick Info in, uh, or Wisdom Cricket rather in India about that series. Unfortunately, the fourth test looks like it's on a road again, India and England. Listening to Stumps. Yes, welcome back to Stumps. Move views with me, Darren Parker. We're going to head across to India now. One of our regular correspondents, Shamia Desgupta from Wisden Cricket in India, to wrap up a, a test match in which if India avoid defeat, then they've uh, essentially won the series, and it looks like they're going to do that. Uh, thanks very much for your time. Thanks, thanks a lot for having me. Now, uh, it looks like it's going to be another high-scoring affair with India uh, in uh, in relative control in their first innings. Yeah, exactly. Yes, uh, certainly uh, first innings very, very crucial as we have uh, you know said before on this uh, program as well. And 
as we've discovered again and again. Uh, that's that's always going to be important. It's never going to get easy batting second. It it shouldn't be what Test cricket should be like, isn't it? I mean, I wonder if Merv and you agree that uh, you do as well as you can and get a lead first up, but uh, it should get tougher and tougher to bat on these three, four, and certainly five. Um, yeah, certainly agree with that. And England, 400, um, would have sent a few shockwaves through India, you would imagine. And a young bloke on, on debut, Jennings, 112. I don't know too much about him. How did he look? Yeah, he looked extremely good and in control. And certainly uh, didn't look like uh, there were any nerves about him. And uh, well, that's actually true of Hasid Hamid as well, the other youngster who's even younger, actually, who, who debuted earlier in the series. And he looked absolutely wonderful. Pity for England that... Uh, he had to go back uh, with that injury, but but wonderful replacement and Ethan Jennings. Uh, um, more more non-English cricketers coming into the England team, aren't they? And uh, they they all seem to be doing extremely well. And uh, Ethan Jennings certainly, uh, you know, a, a couple of the much better, more reputed batsmen, Alasekho, Joe Root, and others, um, not hanging around long enough with with Jennings. But he sort of stuck it out and he played his strokes when he got the opportunity. And uh, looked extremely good. It was it was pretty impressive. Well, Jennings 112, Butler 76, Ali 50. A few familiar faces there with the runs, but certainly a familiar face with the wickets on on Indian soil. Um, Ashwin six for 112 off 44 overs. The Deja four for 109. So obviously a, a lot of spin used. But um, Ashwin's just going from strength to strength. It's been pretty incredible, isn't it? Um, he's he's uh, broken all sorts of records and. Uh, a fair few records in terms of winning Man of the Match and Man of the Series awards as well. So um, and he's, he's been on a roll. Uh, there was this uh, little period a couple of seasons back when he was left out of the team after after a couple of tours abroad, South Africa, etc., which uh, didn't go too well for him. But uh, he's really evolved into a, into a master, a craftsman, as far as, uh, you know, variations and uh, all sorts of tricks are concerned, Merv. Um, you know, I, I, it, it's too early, I guess, to slot him among the greats, and I'm, I'm sure he's uh, not one yet. But certainly in terms of uh, figuring out all that you can do with a ball, uh, being a finger spinner, um, I, I think he's, he's, uh, he's well on his way to doing some incredible things. He's, uh, you know, not only in terms of picking up wickets and, and fooling batsmen, but, uh, but also in terms of just what you can do with a cricket ball. I suppose Shane Warne did that, uh, um, you know, when I had a speak bowling six different deliveries or so, he claimed, I mean, you know, I obviously don't know <laughs> how much of it was true. I think, had about, I think Shane Warne had two. Yeah, yeah, I wonder yeah. how much of it was just to keep the batsman guessing. But uh, but with, with Ashwin, I think he's, he just uh, does so many things with the ball. But one of the good things about him, the more recent version of Ashwin, is, is that he's not trying to do six different things with six deliveries. You know, that's, that's one of the things that was going wrong for him once upon a time where because he knew so many things, he was trying to put them all out every time. And now I think he's, he's doing a lot more of the planning bit and sort of uh, planning a batsman out, sort of, um, you know, getting him into a corner and then getting him out. Uh, that sort of thing, which is, which is obviously something that comes with experience, uh, sort of uh, planning dismissals, which, which as, as any, you know, you would know. Such an important part of uh, bowling, especially in Test cricket. Well, Shamal, like you said, if Ashwin's not one of the greats, he's going to be soon. He just keeps taking wickets. He's in great form. And India, two for 247. Um, you would think that they would have a lead. You can't see the Indian boys getting bowled out. And VJ on 124 not out. Coley, 44. 
Um, and and the bowling for England, Ali has won and Ball has won. But the lack of quality spin for England is going to be a real problem for them going forward in this test match. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of us thought that was the case before the series started. Um, but but the, whether it was because they bowled better than, you know, a lot of people anticipated or because the Indian batting, well, India had been playing a, a specialist batsman short as well. And Ajit Garahane was not in good form at all. Uh, as he's, he's been left out of the test match because of an injury. So the Indian batting very dependent on the top four and Ashwin and, and the tailenders later on. So, uh, you know, you, before the series started, I suppose a lot of people thought that Adil Rashid and uh, Zafar Ansari and, and Moin Ali weren't really up there, not at par with, say, Monty Panesar and Graeme Swan, who did so well the last time England came. But, uh, but a lot of the time, I thought the England bowling, you know, stood up and, and did the job that was expected of them. Uh, you know, you can't really expect uh, the bowlers against high-quality Indian batsmen to really do too much more than what than what this bowling attack did. I think the shortcomings for England really in the first three tests, well, the first test was the more England than India, the second and third test. But the shortcoming was more more on the part of the batsmen, and um, that's why they're two zero down. I think the bowlers have largely done all right, um, missing Stuart Broad, I guess. Um, you know, James Anderson. I don't know if he's hundred percent fit. Uh, they have, they've had to tinker. I don't think Gareth Batty would have featured in their first 11 plan. So it's been a bit topsy-turvy for them. But uh, if England have to claw back, draw this series, or get anywhere, get anywhere close to that, I think it has to be their batsmen more than their bullets. Well, you're spot on there. Broad and Anderson have been a great combination for England over the years, and they can be destructive with the new ball, and that's um, a little bit tempered, oh, well, a lot tempered in Indian conditions. And when you have a look at, at Stokes, um, he's, a, he's a good cricketer, he's a great competitor. Uh, Wokes, you, you probably think that he's going to fall short of um, being a, a really useful bowler um, in, in Indian conditions, but in England conditions and conditions that suit, he's, he's quite competitive. But uh, at two for... Um, 2.47 now, um, obviously India's plan would be to go big and gee, it's, it's not unlikely that they could make six, 700 runs and not have to bat again. Well, that would be ideal from India's point of view, I'm sure. Um, there, there's also the matter of time and, uh, you know, the pitches uh, so far have, you know, it's it, it fucked a few of us as well because these pitches are changing. Uh, I suppose part of it has to do with the experiments here in India where, um, you know, because of India's failures and on tour of, you know, Australia and various other places, we've been trying to tinker with our pitches. We've sort of gone somewhere between the traditional Indian spinning pitches and uh, pitches with something in it for fast bowlers. Um, we've reached a sort of uh, middle ground now, uh, which which makes reading pitches, and I'm, I'm no expert anyway, but uh, but certainly from the way the cricketers look at these pitches and the and the cricketers who talk about them, it does seem that reading Indian pitches has gotten tougher and tougher. And, and so, sorry, Shami, we, we're just approaching our our news bulletin, but um, sorry point, point well so made. Sorry to uh, to cut you off, but uh, thank you very much for joining us, and no doubt we'll uh, catch up soon. You're listening to Stumps. Stumps. VB Cricket Update. Victoria Bitter for a hard-earned thirst. 
It is time now for one of our great Victoria Bitter cricketing moments. Victoria Bitter celebrates the greatest moments in cricket history with 10 limited edition cans this summer. And you can head into your nearest bottle shops, supermarkets and pick up the Victoria Bitter range and check out the 10 great moments. And we're going to bring you those across the course of Stumps and have a lot of fun in doing so. Speak to some of the biggest names in the game that contributed to those moments. And tonight we reflect back on a moment when Australia was still smarting from the pain of the 2005 Ashes, as we said, a memorable and brilliant series, but Australia on the wrong end of it. They came back with a vengeance two years later. That was the third test at the Wacker in which Australia took a 3-0 series lead, regained the Ashes. They went on to sweep England 5-zip. Justin Langer, uh, part of, uh, I guess, a farewell tour for so many of the great Australian players at that time, and, and what a way to do it. He joins us. Justin, thanks for your time. Uh, pleasure, guys. Great to be here. Uh, mate, great to have you on the show, JL. Now, got a quick one for you. After the, the 2005, before we get into the heroics of um, 06, 07, after the 2005, the last test there, there seemed to be a steely resolve within the team that next time Australia came up against England, um, England were going to hurt. Yeah, no doubt. I still remember standing on the oval dressing room or the viewing area, Mervyn, it, it did hurt. They had the streamers and the red and white and blue banners and streamers and oh, it was unbelievable. It hurt. I mean, we had such a great team. And I remember a couple of I remember dry, coming back on the flight home and we were sort of all got together out the back on the plane and I remember saying John Buchanan and Tim Nielsen that, you know, we just felt that they'd let it, let it, let us go a bit. You know, we'd been successful. They let all the players do their own thing Um just felt we needed a bit more structure and at our first training session back in Sydney I just remember it was absolutely electric the boys were firing we had plenty to gain and uh, things went from strength to strength from there so we roll the clock forward a couple of years the first test at the Gabba um, probably remembered for all the hmm. wrong reasons the first ball of the test match were you on strike for that one <laughs> I was I, I always compare that ball that, that when we lost in 2005 the very first ball Harmison ran in same bowler at Lords he ran it flew past my nose, and I remember um, Geraint Jones took it over his head, and then all the poms like Bat Pad was walking towards me, Gully was walking towards me. They were all, and, and Hados walked down and said, "Mate, boys mean business." I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, they mean business." And then we fast forward a couple of years, Harmison, same bowler, same batter, most of the same fielders, bowler. I think it went to first or second slip. Well, second and slip, I, yeah. Second slip, and I remember looking up at Hados, and they were all looking at their toes. You know, so the. It's amazing the difference in attitude and mindset. In 2005, they were really up for it. Uh, and 2007, poof, it just felt a lot different. Well, the, the Gabba was a, well, the Gabba was a great win. The Adelaide win, that second test, um, last day, I think, everyone rolled up to, to the game just expecting it to be a draw. Um, can you remember uh, the, the rooms before the... the or going onto the ground on the last day. What was the mood like? Because my my memory of that was um, England thought it was going to be a draw, and I just said the Australian players will be hell-bent on winning this. So when one team goes with the attitude of a draw and the other team goes with the attitude of a win, it can make a huge difference. I actually remember day two, the change room, and what happened is that England had got 500 and something. They had a huge score, and 
the morning of day ten, John Buchanan kept saying, "Boys, come on, pick it up, Alfie, Alfie, you reckon we're going to win this or what?" And I was going, "Oh yeah," and I'd been out the night before, so I was a bit down the dump. <laughs> but, but punter, I remember you know you sort of sit down there in the Adelaide Oval nets, and I remember punter walked into the nets, and he was in, not out at the time. He goes, "Boys, there's not a single person in this world who thinks we can win this Test match. Let's have a let's see about that, eh?" And then he went out and got that unbelievable hundred. And then all of a sudden, the captains walk on the talk. And then we got to the last day. And then we say, you know, you, you don't win those tests without Shane Warne. He was unbelievable. I think Strauss, he got a pretty ordinary decision. Um, we got, I think, we got a run out. Uh, then Warney got uh, Peterson out. And it was all on. And then we had to get, I can't remember, what was 140 or 150 to win. That was like a miracle match and one that I'll never, ever forget. Well, my memory of that test was a Glenn McGrath catch at, at Deep Backward Square. <laughs> well, the fact he caught it would have been a miracle. <laughs> well, he, he dived out right-handed. He come up in his left hand, and you, you're sort of sitting there scratching your head, and um, well, you, you just sort of sit there and think, gee, things are going Australia's way. It was Michael Vaughan, wasn't it? Um, yeah. In that test, so, yeah. No, it's the fact that those are the things went our way then. To win it like we did, it was a really important moment for the series as well. Because I think England thought, well, if we can't win from this position or we can't draw from this position, we're cooked. And we thought if we can win from this position, when they've got 550 or 600, then we can win from anywhere. And we ended up doing that. Just a quick one on the reverse swing aspect. Obviously, in 05, England used that so well with Flint off and, and Jones. Conditions different in Australia, and Simon Jones obviously never played again after the 05 Ashes, which was a real shame with those ankle injuries. But they really did seem to lose that, that potency that they had where they were able to, uh, to swing the ball uh, with such effect in, in England in 05. Yeah, a lot of people talk about that. But the other thing that they forget about, well, a couple of things. We obviously lost McGrath. We yeah. had a few of our great players struggling for the first time ever. But what, what a lot of people forget about that series is their batters batted so well. So every time we went out to bat, you know, we had a lot of scoreboard pressure on us. They were scoring 400, 450 every time they batted in the first inning. So then you're always under pressure. And um, they then had time to, to put pressure on them. That's when the ball started reverse swing a bit. So they, they played really good cricket. And we, for the first time in a long time, a lot of our players were down a bit. Well, of, of Jones and Flintoff, Jones in that 2005 series, I reckon he was near unplayable, and Flintoff was at his peak, and um, we rolled the clock forward, and, and Flintoff came over with an ankle injury. He went from bowling as captain, about, too, yeah. yeah, as captain, went, went from bowling about um, from 150 to about 135. So obviously he wasn't hitting the bat as hard. Um, can you can you remember um, any thoughts of the English team after the the two Test match and, and the difference, or was it just let's keep rolling, boys? No, just more mindset, Merv. From 2005-2007, they were, leading up to that series, they were flying too. They'd won a lot of cricket. Uh, they had a good core of senior players, Michael Vaughan and Tress Gothic, and uh, they had some good... Flintoff, was, you know, he was the, the king of the world at that time, so um, they had some really good senior players. They were in good nick. While we were winning, we probably got a bit complacent. We'd won 16, or we'd won a lot of test matches, and maybe we got a bit complacent with it all, so... That's all I could think about. Um, that's why it was such a such an arm wrestle. Whereas 2007, we were they could have bought both them, Bobby Willis, <laughs> David Gow. They could have bought everyone. We were so switched on. You had that boot camp, the famous boot camp <laughs> leading into it. And we, we were so switched on that we. Uh, could have taken on the rest of the world, I reckon. Oh, well, we moved from, from Adelaide to Perth. 
And um, my everlasting memory was uh, that, that 100 that Gilly got, um, just sitting there <laughs> watching him go Coco Cabana. Uh, it was unbelievable. But um, what were your memories of that game? Oh, I remember that. I remember Gilly turning up and Flintoff had been all over him. So, And then I think the first or second ball he's played one like the same sort of shot that Flintoff and he nicked it between third and gully. And then he just, mate, it was unbelievable. I remember sitting there, Haydos and I used to sit together in the change room and after when the innings uh, punter declared, Haydos said, can you believe what you've just seen there? <laughs> it, was un, it was unbelievable. And, and that, what that meant was it, it just accelerated the game. All of a sudden, I think then Andrew Strauss was out first ball or the first over because we were able to declare a bit earlier. And, yeah, that, that was Adam Gilchrist at his absolute best. And then, of course, we got down to the – they were nine down at – at lunch or tea and we'd been we were like little kids at Christmas about to win the ashes back and I'll never forget Punner calling us all in and he said boys I want us to be humble in victory and I remember looking at him going mate kid from, Lon- <laughs> kid from Launceston's turned to Winston Churchill I don't know what he was talking about I must admit if Warney had have said that we would have gone yeah yeah whatever mate yeah good on you but with um, but with Punner, who's one of the best blokes and one of the great leaders and most humble blokes you ever meet, saying it because he said, "Remember, when we got started this series, we wanted to beat these guys five nil. Have we'll have a good time tonight. We'll enjoy it. Enjoy winning the Ashes, but still stay humble. We've got a bit of work to do. So, and then we had Monty Panasar. We got Panasar out, and that was the Ashes back, which was a great feeling. Well, ten days it took you to win the Ashes back. Um, so it was, it was a, from there you head to the MCG. Um, had, a, had another convincing win there. Um, my my memory of that is just 700 wickets and probably the attitude in the game after it. When the, when the boys got into the circle to sing the song, um, yeah. there was no real over-the-top celebration because it, it it was it was virtually unspoken that the job hasn't been comp- completed yet. Well, the funny thing is that I was the songmaster, Merv, <laughs> and that particular, what I remember most about that test match was I sat with our old mate, Booney, uh, on about day five, halfway through the, during the last day, I said, oh, Booney, mate, well, tell me about this thing about retirement. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, retiring. He goes, is it on your mind, son? And I said, oh, a little bit. He says, well, I'll give, you, I'll give you some advice. You're a lot closer to retiring than you think you are. If it's on your mind at all, and I had to sing the song that night, I still remember it was the, it was the catalyst behind my retirement, besides Booney's advice. I remember we had to sing the song, um, and I was there going, mate, I'd almost rather be back in the hotel with my kids. And that right. was a bad one, because I used to love celebrating <laughs> yeah. and singing the song as much as anyone. So maybe that's why it was a bit flat that night, Merv, because the songmaster was a bit <laughs> flat and ready to retire. Yeah, but uh, it wasn't just you. I reckon it was everyone. It was just, um, I remember being in the rooms, and there was, there was no sort of throwing a beer. There was no real big celebration. It was like, mm. um, okay, we're 4-0 up but we haven't completed what we set out to complete. Yeah, it was a big, honestly, it was a big, I know uh, Gwen McGrath used to cop a lot of flack from people when he said, oh, we're going to win 5-0. And, we, you know, you and I both know he's one of the greatest jokers, one of the biggest clowns wow. we've ever met in our life. So a bit like yourself. <laughs> um, and when he used to say, people used to take it all seriously. But when we actually, we almost looked each other in the eyes before the series and said, how about, you know, what about that for an idea? Imagine just flogging them and beating them 5-0. So, um, there was some real steely resolve about that, and for us to do that, and then you know, two of the all-time greats in um, Warney and McGrath retiring was a 
very, very fitting way after Damien Martin had retired during the series. Yeah, so after but, the Adelaide Test match, yeah, wasn't it, it? It might be, a, um, I guess, a strange one given how competitive the Ashes always are, but I always felt from the outside looking at the 05 series that the camaraderie between both sides seemed to be the closest I could recall. Between For such a competitive series, the respect between both sides seemed to be enormous. Obviously, you put them to the sword completely in you know, 6.07, but it does look like for such a hard-fought uh, period of time that the two sides had a, a pretty pretty strong mutual respect and relationship. Yeah, I think the respect... One of the funniest things that happened was after the Adelaide Test match, Flintoff... James Anderson and Harmison came into the change and had a beer. It was the same night, the, the same night, um, Marto decided to pull the pin. But and by the time it would have been midnight, I reckon, when it was all right, boys, you got your baggy green caps and you got Johnny Williamson on and uh, Flintoff and Harmison and, and Anderson, and they're going, no, no, we want to sing the song with you. We've heard about it. We want to. Oh what are you talking about? You're the England captain, mate. You can't sing our victory song with us. So I, I got great pleasure in that, being able to, because Flintoff used to absolutely haunt me as a bowler. Like, he was scary to face. So, it was, so I had great pleasure being the one who had to kick him out of the change room. But um, I remember them wanting to sing the song, and I, I felt that a bit uh, mm. bit strange. But looking back on it, it probably turns into a reasonably funny story. Uh, well, it's an interesting one. I, forgot, I, I had the note down that Marto retired after Adelaide, and we're 3-0 up. We're going to Perth. And I can remember driving, I reckon it was to Ballarat um, for a, a lunch and the side had been picked and it was just about to be released and um, Andrew Hilditch, Chairman of Selectors, rang me up and said, oh, we've got to reconvene, um, we've lost a player. And I thought someone's got injured. And yeah. we all got on the conference call, um, what's happened? Damien Martin's retired. And I nearly ran off the road. <laughs> I just thought, what is going on? It's like they've had a great win. They're heading to Perth. Um, he's a Perth player. I just thought, what better way to go? But as you said, if it's on your mind and you're not sure about it, um, you know, it would have been a, a mixed emotion for you singing that song at the MCG. So it was a, an interesting one. But as we said, Warren is 700th ah. wicket, another big win. We move on to, to Sydney. And, and you said um, two greats retired. Well, what about three greats retired, Langer? <laughs> you've, you've played 105 test matches. You, you're up there when they talk about um, sides of the centuries and, and best sides of all time. So if you're not going to put yourself in, cat- in that category, young man, I'm going to. <laughs> Truth is, I was, I, I was embarrassed. And this is, I promise you, I was embarrassed about retiring that game because warning, and I thought, mate, I'm not in, oh, obviously not in their league, but... And I had to ring an old mate of mine, Alan Jones. I said, mate, I don't know what to do here. I know I've got to retire, but I can't retire the same day as Warney and, and Pigeon. He goes, no, no, you've, had, you've, you've done it right. You've played a few tests. Just go out at the same time. <laughs> played a few. Um, so it was, no, it was a nice, it was, honestly, it was a nice thing. But we'll go back to uh, Marto for a second. You reckon you were surprised as a selector? He's like my brother. He's like uh, Haydos, Gilly, Ricky Ponting. We are like brothers. And we got to the airport the next day, and we thought he must have missed the plane because we had a massive night after that. Um, yeah, we went back to the hotel after a midnight team song. So we thought he must have just missed the plane. We thought, oh, he's going to get in a bit of strife here because he's missed the flight. You know, he got a hangover or something. And by the time we got, we'd heard it as well. So we had no idea. We were with him until about 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh. And by nine o'clock the next day, he'd. Ret- I don't know how he did it. Well, so we, you reckon you were surprised? We were absolutely staggered. Well, we we got the report through, and Andrew Hilders, when we got it, it's unconfirmed. And I said, how can it be unconfirmed? <laughs> well, we've we've got an email from Damien, and we're not sure whether um, he's been hacked 
or whether it's from him. So it took about, I reckon, an hour and a half to get hold of him to um, to confirm that he had actually retired. So it was gee, it just uh, blew us away. And just a, a final one, uh, Justin, before we let you go. It's been terrific catching up with you to reflect on the series. Uh, obviously, with the, the news coming through that you, you're taking the reins for the 2020 series against Sri Lanka. Did you ever think there'd be a time uh, in cricket where Australia would essentially have two teams playing at the same time? They're going to be in India preparing for that tour and playing Sri Lanka at home. I guess it's the changing times of cricket. Yeah, I certainly didn't. And there's, there's obviously a lot of discussion about cricket internationally and domestically at the moment, but that's yeah, it's very strange. It's uh, in a lot of ways, it's it's quite sad actually mm. uh, that there's two Australian teams at one time. Um, that said, we've got a great depth of talent, and on the back of the Big Bash, there'll be some guys in Australian cricket who will be you know, absolutely champing at the bit to to represent their country in 2020 cricket. So I'm sure there'll be lots of buzz, there'll be lots of atmosphere about those three games. But it certainly is a changing time and um, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, that remains. But certainly the whole concept of fixturing and scheduling in international cricket is something that should be at the front of mind for everyone involved in the game. It's been great talking to you about the 2006-07 series. Um, good talking to you about the 2020, but also you're involved in domestic cricket, coaching Western Australia. Had a, had a good win over Queensland on on the weekend. How does that? Um, where does that place you guys? And have you been happy with WA's form thus far this year? We've had a shocker, Merv. We've, we've we came into it. I think it was our third game. Hmm. We had 11 guys unavailable for selection. So, you know, the, it's like all the, you know, footy AFL or any of the codes, you're losing your best players to injuries, it hurts. And when you also get a couple of guys playing for Australia, then you certainly get your depth tested. But that's that's OK. It was nice to get a win. It's much more fun winning than losing. <laughs> it mate. certainly you is. Know, it sort of takes a... I've had a headache for about six weeks, so at least my headache subsides a little bit. Now it's... Um, <laughs> Now uh, it's time for the big bash. It's it's great to get back into that nice time of the year. My kids love it, um, which is a good. So I got four daughters, and they love the big bash. So we all enjoy it, and then we'll come back and roll our sleeves up and have a crack at the Sheffield Shield after that. Well, Victoria, a bit of for a hard-earned thirst, reflecting on a great cricketing moment, the 2006-07 Ashes series, and with 105 tests, seven and a half thousand runs at 45 with 23 centuries. Justin Langer, we can obviously confirm that three legends retired after the Sydney Test. Thanks very much for your uh, for your time on the program. No, any time, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Merv. We'll speak to you soon. Okay, JL. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Justin Langer there. One of the greats. We'll get to a break and we'll get all the markets after this. Knocks him over with pace. Real pace. You're listening to Stumps. Sportsbet odds update. Sportsbet's racing form. Packed with all new features for spring. Gamble responsibly. Racing. Animated speed maps, runner comments and expert tips uh, courtesy of Best Bets. It's great form, made easy. Gamble responsibly. Former Bulldog and Tigers champ Nathan Brown uh, representing Sportsbet joins us. Brownie, uh, thanks for your time. No worries, boys. Uh, just had a, uh, an interesting day in the punt. Very, very poor at the start of the day in the races and I've come home hard the last few races. So my mood got to rang me about three hours ago. It wasn't great, but I'm feeling a lot better about myself now. Well, I heard, I was listening to SEN when you got all over Snoopy, you sound pretty happy with that. Now, yeah. started the day not great, finished it well. Um, I've just got to ask you, uh, being a Bulldogs supporter, love my Bulldogs, 137 games at the Bulldogs, you 82 at Richmond. Where where are your feet in each camp? Are you your Bulldogs still or are you you're Richmond? 
Oh, look, I'm, I'm a bit of both, but I must admit I had a tear in my eye when the, when the dogs won, um, particularly because I'm close to, obviously, Murph. I was in his wedding party, and Daniel Jean Syracuse, who was still there, I was in his wedding party as well. So, um, I mean, I, I loved my time at the dogs, and um, to see them win a flag was uh, was amazing. I, I, I set up and I, yeah, I had a couple of tears. So, Murph, I'm firmly in the Bulldogs camp, particularly... Now they're winning. I'm all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've got uh, a good... Was a good result or bad result for you guys with the, the three one days against New Zealand because uh, Australia were firm favourites and uh, certainly took home the money in each game and, and a 3-0 uh, whitewash. Yeah, definitely the punters cleaned up in the first two. Oh, they cleaned up in all three of them because the Aussies were around $1.33 most of them. But when they're that short, um, not a lot of punters want to spend big money on a cricket game, so... They go for other areas. They might go for top run score. Or they might go for a player to score a century. Like David Warner was seven bucks to score a century oh, in that last one. We had a fair few people take that up. So that was a market where the punters did really well. Um, we did have more money on the Kiwis in that third game than we did in the other two. I think the people thought that maybe Australia would let their guard down, knowing they were two nil up. Um, a little bit of rain around Melbourne might have helped the seamers at New Zealand, but. Um, the Aussies were just too good for them. Well, you would have been a little bit nervous when uh, Finch out for naught and, and Smith out, or Finch out for three and uh, Smith out for naught and uh, Australia with two for early. But that's behind us. Betting is about looking forward and seeing what we can get on to, Nathan. Now, um, the Australian-Pakistan series and, and that first test up in Brisbane the day nighter, what's the markets there? Well, it's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Because we, Pakistan are unknown. They're, they're up the top end of the world rankings and they're flying at the moment, but they're $5.90 in this game. Ooh. And I think they don't play in conditions like the Gabba. They don't get, obviously, that much bounce like they're going to get at the Gabba. But, I mean, their, their game recently against the Australian team was unbelievable. And um, that, that man at the top of their order, bowling, he's uh, he's unbelievable. Mohamed Amir, I think he was like three for none at one stage. Mm. So... Obviously, the top order is going to be under pressure again. Australia, a dollar forty-five, so they are short. Um, the draw is out out of the question at the moment. Five dollars twenty-five. Punters don't think there's going to be a draw. Obviously, Pakistan, as I said, five dollars ninety. Now, top run scorer for us, David Warner, as you'd expect, the form he's in, he's three twenty-five. Steve Smith, three dollars fifty. This is the first inning. Usman Khawaja was the top scorer uh, last test. He's four dollars fifty. And then you got the new boys, Peter Hanscom. He's six dollars. And Matty Renshaw at $6 also. So uh, Warner, Smith and Usman Kawaja will take away most of the money in the top run score market in the first dig. And just before we let you go, obviously the Shield takes a break. Big Bash uh, with women's and men takes centre stage. Getting a bit of interest there? Yeah, the Big Bash, uh, like everything, people love the Big Bash. They love betting on the Big Bash. They love going. The, the, the crowds are up. So the outright market at the moment... and. It, I think at this stage of the year with the Big Bash, it's so hard to predict. But Melbourne Stars are the favourite at five bucks. Melbourne Renegades five fifty. Perth Scorchers then are at six fifty. And then the two Sydney teams, the Thunder at seven dollars, the Sixers at eight dollars. Not much around for the Brisbane Heat and the Hobart Hurricanes at the moment. They're both at ten dollars. But you know, after round one and everyone's played each other once, that market is going to be turned on its head. So. Obviously, uh, the top tournament run score, too, is an interesting market. Chris Lynch is the favourite at the moment at $8. Oh. Kevin Peterson <laughs> in there at $9. And Brendan McCullum also at $13 in there. But at the moment, Chris Lynch, $8. He's the top run scorer market. Um, and if you're going to have a pun on any of that, good luck. Gamble responsibly. And uh, I hope the cricket is fantastic this week and the Aussies can clean up the Pakistanis. Brownie, good luck in the last. And uh, thanks for joining us. I've got to get back to it. Thanks, Nathan Howard. Brown joining us there. 
huge. That's the biggest one tonight. On the roof. Full pitch and bang. Bang, bang, bang. It's gone. Welcome to Stumps. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Stumps. Great to have your company. Darren Parkin here with Merv Hughes. Talking all things at cricket. We'll have a wrap of all three Shield games over the next hour from the week that was. And some of the key performers and what it means going forward. Of course, Australian name and unchanged 12 for the first test against Pakistan in Brisbane. But, but there may well be a change be to the 11. Unchanged 11. I don't think so. I think Chad Sayers should play. But your, your statistics on Chad Sayers, fantastic. 19 wickets in at two... Eight. At eight. In two pink ball games. Uh, bold New South Wales out. and Three fifers in four innings. Virtually gifted South Australia a win, although they, they had to work very yeah. hard for it. Got chasing 120 odd, they, they got them eight down. But um, you you would think that he'd have to come in. I've, I've been sort of swayed. I haven't seen too much of him, but um, just on sheer volume of wickets, I was, I was on the impression that um, he was a bit short. Um, he didn't have the pace. Yes, he does move the ball, but at that next level, he would struggle. And listening to Darren Berry, um, who's, who's coached him, um, virtually plucked him out of club mm. cricket, um, he, they said the same thing in South Australia. He's, he's a good clubby, but he's not going to go any further. Yeah. And he's taken 50-plus uh, wickets two years ago, 50-plus wickets last year, and he's he's got so, what so many wickets this year already. Um, you just think sheer volume of wickets... Um, and especially, like you said, 19 wickets in two day-night shield matches. He's got to be a Monty to start up in Brisbane. You'd think. It reminds me a bit of Nathan Lyon, where he was, what was he doing, just playing club cricket and helping to uh, roll the pitch at the yeah. Adelaide Oval. And uh, again, very uh, very low ambitions. Well, and... how did he get to Adelaide? Uh, how did he get to Adelaide? Well, he was playing for the ACT. Yeah. And they had a, a futures game, mm-hmm. so a cricketer. Australia 11 match yeah. against South Australia and, and Darren Berry um, yeah. plucked him over and, and got him over working as a curator. Got him so a job was, and then he played yeah. Big Bash for the played, strikers. Played Big Bash, got him the South Australian side. And, and now, ironically, the, he can't play limited overs cricket for Australia. The rest so. of my friend is history. It is. But it's, it's been fantastic. It's, it's, it's amazing that he can't get a limited overs game for Australia when it was a limited overs form that got him into the South Australian yeah, team yeah, but and now he plays test cricket. I, so. I suppose a big difference between um, 2020 and I, I mm. think... Going across to South Australia, it was across the board because it was in mm. um, a, a four-day fixture. Is it three-day, four-day fixture, mm. the, the Australian uh, Cup, uh, uh, Australian Cricket three, Cup? Three, I think. I think it's yeah. three days. So he, he got in there off the back of that, so he was taken over for the longer form of the game, mm. earned a contract with um, the, the strikers and, and did really well. And mate, even his form for, for New South Wales, when he plays one-day cricket mm. for New South Wales, they rarely hit him. So, um, listen, I, I've, I've bowed to to uh, um, Darren Berry's mm. opinion. Um, he, he reckons Chad Sayers is good enough. I haven't seen a lot of him. Probably the thing that I look back on, I saw him bowl a couple of years ago and Darren Berry was talking him up and um, walked in and the, the wicketkeeper was standing up the stumps to him. Mm. And I'm just thinking, no, never a chance. But yeah. just sheer volume. Of and it was uh, the same, and I can't recall the bloke's name from, from New South Wales. He's still playing. Uh, debuted in Sri Lanka with Lyon. Copeland. Copeland. Copeland, yeah, yeah. Copeland was the same. He was mm. he was getting a heap of wickets and we're we're talking about him playing, oh no, he doesn't he's not quick enough. He's not quick enough. And he, he came in and, and he did a reasonable job in, in conditions really that didn't suit him. So you would think uh the Gabba test match under lights with nineteen wickets in two day night games mm. would suit Chad Sayers. 
When I mean, we've seen Darren Berry in the past keeping up to guys like Rifle uh, playing for Victoria at, at times. Uh, it's obviously, can you have a, a keeper now that, that is good enough to do that or does it just simply mean that a, a bowler is lacking that, that sort of level of speed or is it possible to keep up to the stumps too? Um, it, it's possible. The mm. good keepers will do it in, circum, in mm. certain circumstances. So normally day four of a, a game where mm. the ball's keeping down a little bit and they just find it easier mm. to, to, to get up to the wicket. And, um, uh, I, I was playing, um, or I wasn't playing the game down in Tassie where Chuck stood up to the, the wicket, but um, Paul Rifle should never be bowling uphill into the wind uh, <laughs> in the state game. Mm. Um, so mm. that to me is... Uh, not a reflection on on the bowler mm. himself. It's a reflection of of the captain at the time mm. uh, being an absolute imbecile. But um, Paul Rifle um, went from there and obviously uh, played a lot of games mm. and um, deceptively quick. A uh, little bit taller than Chad Sayers, mm-hmm. I reckon. Paul and I've looked at Chad Sayers. You, you just look at him. He's mate Collingwood six footer at mm-hmm. best. He yeah. bowls about you know one one twenty five one thirty um, at at best. Um, we've seen Peter Siddle come down to that, but mm-hmm. Sid, when he started, was up around the 145. Um, so he, he sort of burst onto the scene as as a as a quick and now uh, modified it. But um, yeah, of Chad Sayers, uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm prepared to give him a go. I've I've been pretty uh, brutal mm-hmm. on him over the last couple of years, but gee, um, the the numbers that he's racking up, um, you just think, mate, he, he deserves a shot. In regards to the wicket-keeping, Matthew Wade, obviously the one-day arena, he's always probably going to have that spot for the time being. But um, looking at that debate, I mean, we saw Neville make a big hundred in his first Shield game back, uh, missed out on the runs uh, next time around, batting as a keeper. I think he made 16-1, and <coughs> one, so he missed out uh, in both of those games. Wade keeps his place in the side. He kept reasonably well with the exception of that one where it was iffy as when he left it for yeah. uh, for Renshaw at, at first slip. Are you comfortable that Wade will have that spot for a while? Um, yeah, I, I think I think he's worked hard. He's, he's been out of the Australian side for a little mm. while and I think he's worked hard on his keeping. He, he looks to be gloving the ball really well, um, which is a, is a real positive. Neville is by far a better gloveman. Mm-hmm. Um, but in certain circumstances, I think the big one next year going to India, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, mm. if Neville got back in um, just because of his glove mm. work. And, you know, if Australia can stabilise with, with mm. Hanscom, with Maddinson and with uh, Renshaw in, mm-hmm. in the Australian side and, and they sort their batting out, I think um, basically Wade's uh, being put in because of that that problem mm. with the batting. Um, but of Matty Wade, you've got to give him credit. Um, he's been out of the Australian side for a while. He came in, and that one ball off Stark now, have yeah. you ever tried to wicket keep? No. Mate, it's the toughest job in the world. Yeah. And you're mm. expecting the ball to, to come uh, come back in. You're expecting uh, a big quick at times to go down league side. Mm. And he got a little bit um, isolated on his left foot and, and didn't move to his right. Um, and you look at that and you think... Gee, you know, it's a, it's tough to to string someone up on on one, um, one instance. Um, the rest of his glove work's been good. He's been great in the one days. Um, you know, the, I think the catch he took the other night in Canberra, uh, low mm. down off Stark, a full ball. They're they're the toughest catches to get, and he would have been up relatively close. So, mate, of Matty Wade, as I said, you've got to give him credit. He's, he's worked hard on it. Um, his glove works a lot better, but. Still, the question mark for me would be: Would the Australian selectors be prepared to take him to to um, a place like India, um, where it's going to be spinning, it's going to be all over the place, mm. where you probably need your best gloveman, um, not not 
what's best for the team. And at the moment, um, he's competitive. He's he's batting. Um, he's was needed and just his toughness and you know, make no mistake about it, that. Take no, nothing away from Neville. He's he's a tough competitor, but it, he doesn't come across like he's, yeah, he's yeah. A, um, softly you know, spoken. Wade yeah. Wade's got a tough exterior. You mm. just look at him; he's up for the fight all the time. Mm. You have a look at Neville, and you think that if a, if a fight broke out, he'd, he'd be the one sitting back mm. in the corner not doing much. I, I reckon mm. I reckon Nifty would get in there. Yeah, I think <laughs> he, he would. He wouldn't let you down. <laughs> but um, again, wouldn't be a for, otherwise. for yeah. the Australian selectors. Mm. Um, to have a problem, who to leave out, that's a good situation mm. to be in. You'd rather be in that position than worrying about who to pick. Renshaw uh, copped a bit of probably unfair criticism for the manner in which he was batting in that third test against South Africa with the go slow. It's not always the way he plays. I think he had five or six sixes in an innings for Queensland a few weeks ago and he made a big hundred. Uh, he keeps his place in the side. Do you like what you've seen from him? I imagine as a bowler, it'd be frustrating to bowl to him. Um, yeah, I think that um, you know Sean Marsh is still injured, so he didn't play yeah. this Shield match, so he he couldn't have been um, considered. I don't think. Uh, and, and Renshaw, to me, um, I, the the point that really struck me well, two points in fact. Um, he got through in tough conditions on that first night, where where South Africa. Knew that Warner couldn't couldn't bat in Adelaide, so they declared to have a crack at the Australians. He got through there. Now a tough situation. I think he only made eleven or twelve in mm. that first innings, but you thought, yeah, good competitor. Good technique, That's yeah. good. And in the second innings, um, when Davy Warner got run out, it would have been easy for Renshaw to to lose the plot mm. and and get out, but he, he stuck in there. So uh, that that shows me that he's he's tough. Um, you know, and I think with with Warner, Kawaja, Smith. Um, in that top four, you need someone that can hang around. And, and Renshaw, as you said, he looked like that. He, he got into trouble for being a go slow. But, gee, if we lose another wicket quickly, Australia are in a little bit of trouble. But um, he just kept his head and batted well. And as you said, for, for Queensland, he can be the aggressor. So there's going to be times where you know he, he gets gets on with the game uh, and, he, and he bats. But... Um, Let's give him a little bit of leeway. Uh, his first test match, he would have been as nervous as all hell, but he got through. He did well. He's getting another test match up at the Gabba. He'll be comfortable up there, and, and hopefully he'll perform well. What you make of Dan Christian just before we take a break? He made 93 and 79, not out, but he made the comments uh, a week or so ago that the first-class fixture in Australia doesn't help us prepare test teams because it's all over the place. It's experimental. He spoke about them using the Duke ball for yep. the last four games of the summer, about pink ball shield games before red ball test, red ball shield games before pink ball tests. Obviously, he's not going to do his chances of playing for Australia any favours with that sort of stuff, but does he have a point, do you think? Oh, he absolutely has a point, and, and he's in the playing circles. And, and to be completely honest, and I, I don't think Dan Christian will get upset when I say that I don't mm. think he's in the picture to play cricket. No, I don't think so. At test level. But, yeah. Now, one day and, and 2020, um, you know, you would think that he'd be right up there uh, because um, he, he's very good in the mm-hmm. field. He bats, he bowls. Um, he's he's got that sort of awkward action, mm-hmm. and he and he hits the bat a little bit harder than you think. So, um, you know, for him to come out and say that, um, mate, I, I've been saying exactly the same thing. Mm. So I just work on the theory that mm. um, you know, great minds think alike, or, <laughs> or fools never differ. I'm not sure which mm. one it is, but. How can you be playing a red ball game in a lead up to a pink ball test match? Um, at least uh, they, they've, they've got it right with a pink ball um, shield match into mm. a, a pink ball test match. We have a look at who's doing well with the pink ball. Um, although the team was pre- pretty early on, um, I, 
I don't think the selectors would have considered a, a change going into the Gabba. They had a good win at in in South Africa. The only way, oh, sorry, in South Australia, the only way um, that they would have considered a change was if if Sean Marsh had played mm-hmm. this this Test match. And and I suppose that that number six Maddinson came in and, and didn't do well. Yeah. Um, and the selectors showed that they were pretty ruthless with Callum Ferguson not performing well, but huge difference in winning the game and losing the game. So you win a game, Maddinson gets a little bit of leeway. You lose a game, um, Maddinson might be might be out again. So, um, you know, good luck to, to Maddinson. I hope he goes well. And um, as I said, I, I really feel for Cullen Ferguson because I think he's he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, if if we don't lose that game, he probably gets probably. another opportunity. So, yeah. um, mate, he, he won't be going away and sulking. He'll be going away mm-hmm. and doing everything he can to get back into that um, Australian side. But it makes it a little bit hard now with uh, the, the Big Bash coming on. So he just has to make Big Bash runs and hopefully he can stay on his feet. He, this time last yeah. year, he, he had an incident at training. That's where right. Basically, he just jolted his knee and he was out for 12 months. So fingers crossed for Cullum. Hope he goes well and he can get the Renegades a, across the line in a few games. Yeah, within the next... Next year, he's ended up playing Test cricket. So we'll uh, we'll get to a break. We'll wrap the three Shield games next. We'll head firstly to Tasmania and have a chat about that enthralling game. It really was between Tasmania and Victoria. You're listening to Stumps. Yes, it is Stumps. Uh, plenty to talk about uh, as we work our way around the Shield rounds. The first port of call. Is going to be Tasmania for that clash between Victoria and Tasmania, which was a thrilling finish with about an hour to play. All three results were a possibility. Rain ended up playing a significant factor. Scott Rollinson from the ABC covering that action this week. Scott, thanks for your time. Darren, Merv, afternoon to you both. Nice to, uh, to have you on the program. A very, uh, very tight contest uh, in the end uh, with a, a terrific run chase, and unfortunately the rain uh, played a significant factor. Yeah, it was a miserable finish, really. It was um, an entertaining game right up in um, pretty much right through that last session. Victoria were going for the win. Tassie were looking to get some late wickets and wrap up the win themselves. And then 29 balls left, the rain hit and killed what could have been a very, very entertaining finish because Tassie at that point had Victoria eight wickets down. We think they only needed one more Mm -hmm. because the Duke, John Hastings, was off injured. Uh, The Vic said after the game, he probably would have batted, but Murphy had what looked like a mattress on his leg. So mm. I don't know if he was likely to wander out and bat John Hastings. But yeah. um, It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because in a situation like that, uh, Victoria would have been playing for draw, so they would have sent him out. They wouldn't have been running between wickets nine down. It would have been just a matter of keeping the ball out. But, um, yeah, rain's a, a bit of a problem there. It was interesting. There was Well, there was um, a lot of double figures. No one really went on for it. Uh, or with it in Tasmania's first innings to be bowled out for for 203. And probably the interesting one in that innings for me was uh, John Hastings with five wickets. How did he look? Looked uh, very John, good. Sorry, Holland. John Holland, yeah. yeah. He looked very good, Merv. He was he was tight but attacking. Um, he didn't leak runs. Five for 49 off, off 17 overs. So economical as well. Um, from a Tasmanian point of view, like you say, no no huge scores there. A couple of 50s to Don Michael and Simon Milenko. Michael back in the team. But after batting first, I think um, the Tigers were relatively disappointed with that. They thought that was going to be a small total. And it actually turned out to be pretty competitive because Victoria was then rolled for 230 and it was game on. So the small first innings title didn't really matter in the course of the match. The 
first innings lead only 27. But yeah, Holland, he was really good in the first innings. Probably not as effective in the second. He picked up two for 72 off 33 in the second innings, but yeah, definitely looked the goods in the uh, the first innings. Well, 203 in the first innings, Tasmania, as you said, and um, across the board, it was double figures for the Victorians, and probably the difference in that first innings total was, was Dan Christian with his 93. Um, he gets them in quick time, and he, he certainly entertains. Probably the difference in the game was Dan Christian. 93 in the, the first innings, he made 79 not out in the second innings, and then just ran out of partners. If, if uh, he had been able to keep one or two with him, they were pushing for the win at the end with um, the all-rounder in again. He would have to be mid-30s now, Dan Christian. He's still belting between wickets. With the ball in hand, he terrorised Don Michael in the second um, second innings for Tassie. He, he had him playing and missing for about what seemed an eternity before he eventually nicked off. And then he picked up Jake Doran next ball and uh, the keeper for Tassie eventually called back after he overstepped. But just an impressive performance from someone who's been around the block plenty of times in Dan Christian, both with the bat. And then with the ball, he didn't necessarily fill the wicket column, Merv, but two wickets in the, the second innings, and he was tight in the first as well. Actually, he didn't get a bowl in the first. So um, mm. he had a good game, Christian, very good game. Well, with that 30-run um, lead on the first innings, two points to Victoria, and, and Tasmania came out, lost a few wickets, but uh, Webster and Silk, Silk at the top of the order, 76, um, and, and Webster, 122, um, gave, gave Tassie a real big chance, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Good to see Jordan Silk hit some form. Tasmania's top order, um, the openers in particular, they've had some runs coming at number three in the last uh, year or two. Bo Webster was up there last year, and um, Alex Doolan's made a double ton there this year as well, but the uh, the openers have struggled. Benny Dunk is in pretty ordinary form at the moment, and hopefully the Big Bash can kick him back in. But Jordan Silk, a, a good 76, um, a good return to form for him. Um, Bo, uh, Bo Webster, though, is the big one. There's a lot of talk around Tasmania about there not being many locally grown products in the team at the moment. Webster's one of those. And with um, two big names out in James Faulkner and George Bailey on national duty, he stepped into the vice captaincy as well, and 122 of 250 balls. It was patient. There was, I think he maybe gave one or two chances once he passed 100, but nothing really on the way to the ton. And it followed a good knock last week too. He made 80 in saving the game against New South Wales. So two really strong performances from a young bloke that. Um, Jackson Bird said he thinks in a year or two's time he could be well and truly pushing for a test spot. So. He's, he's showing quite a bit at the moment by Webster, and he's a big positive for the Tigers. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of talk about him, not just in Tasmania, but all around the place. And, and after that partnership, again, um, double figures for, for the next four, Michael, Duran, Malenko and, and Rainbird, gets Tasmania to three, 387, um, a lead of about 347, whatever it was, and, and Victoria 319. And probably the question that's got to be asked is of Jackson Birdie. He took five wickets for the game, um, three in that second innings. Uh, how did he look going into this uh, the Gabba Test match? Because he is under, a, under the pump from uh, Chad Sayers. Yeah, he said as much to it at Stumps on the final day, Merv. He said um, he had a joke and said, oh, I bet you Chad took five wickets again. Sure enough, he did. So he's got a bit of an eye on um, on what's yeah. happening at the Redbacks. But he bowled pretty well. Bertie was captain in this game as well. So he was saying afterwards it was a difficult one um, as a fast bowler trying to captain your side. It was the first time he'd, he'd captained the team. 
and he obviously had what turned out to be um, an entertaining finish where he was trying to pick up quick wickets and juggle his, his bowlers around and look for the breakthrough with five, six, seven overs to go to get the win for Tassie. So I, I think he had a bit on his mind. He also knew that he had the test side um, coming up as well. Um, so at times he looked a, a little off, Jackson Bird, but then there was sessions where he actually almost changed the game for a while there. Cameron White and um, Dan Christian were just chugging along beautifully, and it was Bird who picked up White, and then he picked up Sam Harper, the, the Vicks keeper, yep. next ball. And at that point, you thought, maybe um, Tazzy's a chance here. So he led from the front, but it, it probably... It was a typical Jackson Bird performance. It was solid. He didn't give too much away in terms of loose balls. But um, the wickets column probably didn't get a, a great reward for uh, the amount of toil he did over the four days. It's tough going, the Sheffield Shield now, with Adelaide, um, Brisbane dropping wickets, uh, Melbourne dropping wickets. And, and the wicket down at, at Hobart, it just seems to get better. When you have a, a 200, 230 first innings, 387 and 319 in the second innings, you, you expect the wicket to break up a little bit. You expect it to give it the bowlers a little bit more. You expect the spinners to come into the game, and especially on the fourth day in a run chase, but that just didn't, didn't happen and doesn't happen around um, around Australia in, in on-shield on wickets. Yeah, it's an odd one, the Bell Reef pitch, because they, um, Tasmania recruited Cameron Boyce, the leg spinner from Queensland in the off-season, and were chasing that attacking option to try and close out um, games. They've had two games at home, uh, the last two starts against the Bush Rangers and, um, and New South Wales, and he's been 12th man both times. So it really wasn't, in their opinion, going to spin much on you know day three and four, and they've gone for uh, the the pace attack. But the other thing that seems to happen with the Tassie pitch is it looks green on day one, and there's always a bit of cloud around. And in recent times, there's been a lot of skippers that have gone, we're going to bowl first and, and try and rattle through the side here. And usually they pick up a couple of early wickets, has been the case over the past two years. And then if the middle order can steady, which um, in recent times it's experienced heads, Adam Voges has done it a couple of times and, and built good partnerships for WA when they visited. And it just ends up being a batting pitch. It looks really good for the bowlers early on. And actually, once you get through that, it just produces good run chases. Yeah, it's been a really entertaining uh, venue for matches, that's for sure. Belrive Oval, and uh, long may it continue when the second round of Shield matches does get underway. Scott, thank you very much for your time. Anytime. Thanks, fellas. Cheers, Scotty. Obviously, the big bash uh, with the Hobart Hurricanes. Never particularly highly rated the, the Hurricanes. They, they made the final a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. They're always down towards the bottom end of the spectrum. So. Um, they've, they've got some good players, mm. and they have had some, some injuries. Um, just trying to think of uh, Big Jake's name. Plays uh, state cricket Jake. Uh, Reed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, went down there for a year and, and sort of got injured, and they missed him. But um, when when they get it right, they're very hard to beat down there. Um, and when they get it wrong and they have a few injuries, um, yeah, it turns around. But George Bailey, um, when he went back there, I think he he led he leads them very well. And, and we'll talk to Scott there, and he's saying those guys in the middle order mm. that really turn the, the sway of the game, and George Bailey is one of those blokes for, for Tasmania. He is. Uh, just those guys that can change things in 15 minutes or so. The Bush Rangers are uh, quicks, so obviously. We know Tremaine and Boland and guys like that, not a million miles away from international selection, so need to uh, just maintain their consistency. We'll uh, turn our attention to South Australia and New South Wales uh, with our uh, next uh, next look at Richard Earl to join us to have a chat about that fascinating game where nine Team wickets fell on the final day. Uh, this is Stumps. Knocks him over with 
Welcome to Stumps. Welcome back to Stumps, 1116 SEN. Darren Parkin here with Murph Hughes, 212 test wickets for Australia. We just wrapped up the clash between Victoria and Tasmania where there were a lot of runs scored late and a lot of wickets that fell early. The New South Wales-South Australia game saw a heap of wickets fall late, 19 on the other last day of this match, which was the third day. Chad Sayers might have bowled himself into the Australian 11. Richard Earl joins us from the Adelaide Advertiser to chat about the game. Richard, thanks for your time. Darren, how are you? Richard, very good. How are you going, mate? Now, a couple of interesting ones out of here. Chad Sayers just goes from strength to strength. But yep. um, also, from the Australian selectors' point of view, um, Maddinson uh, got, a, got a few runs in that first yeah, innings. Look, he got, yeah, yeah, he got 80 in that first innings. He, um, he actually looked uh, quite good. Um, and then uh, got a duck in the second. So he's, he's sort of... <laughs> He started. He finished how he started in his, in his first test in Adelaide a week ago. So um, <laughs> bit of a mixed bag there. <laughs> Not a good way to go, Richard. But um, in the, in that no. first innings, and I think what um, uh, the Australian selectors and most people look for is, is tough runs. And to come to the crease at um, yep. two for fourteen when Pattinson and Cowan were were removed, um, him and him and Hughes put a, a, a pretty solid partnership together. Yeah, it's one it's one of those things. Um, Maddinson, he can sort of um, frustrate and impress in equal measure because he's got he's got all the um, all the shots and he. But this time he actually did show some application and in that first innings batting wasn't easy as you said and he did grind out those runs and that when others um, found it pretty hard. So from an Australian point of view, they would be um, looking on that with you know, rather fondly because it, it wasn't easy to bat and um, um, he has been accused of having some extravagant stroke play before. So this was a I guess a positive sign um, entering the entering the first test. Well, 269 in the first inning, New South Wales and South Australia bowled out for 236. So New South Wales get first innings points. Um, from from South Australia's point of view, it was a, it was a good start. Then they lost their way and, and got good contributions from guys down the bottom, but uh, just not enough to get across the line. Yeah, no, it looks, South Australia was, um, you know, looking looking down the barrel for, for a while there, but they really, they really came good at the end and... Um, you know, Jake Lamb and uh, you know, with, with his forty-seven in that in that uh, last inning, they they were, were gone for a money at about six for eighty-two. But um, he actually batted um, magnificently. Um, Stobar was swinging it everywhere. Nathan Lyon was batting extreme, was bowling extremely well. You know, turning it turning it square with the pink ball on on that pitch, and to get forty-seven, that was as good as any of his five first-class times inside twenty games because that was that was just so hard to bat and and to um and to slog sweep line for six to level the scores and then then hit the winning runs. That was a real a real, um, I guess, a real signpost in his development. Uh, the the big one, thirty three run lead. Um, do you, you think thirty three runs? Okay, we're still in the game. We've we've just got to knock New South Wales over fairly cheaply, and uh, you certainly did that. Um, all out eighty seven, and that man Chad Sayers said they've got to be talking about him now. Look, you know, Chad Sayers is one of those um, one of those blokes. I mean, I guess I guess the point is if you. Look, he's taken 157 shield wickets um, uh, since 2012 at 24, so that's more than anyone, about 50 more than Jackson Bird. So he's, he's streets ahead of the pack there. He's got 194 first-class wickets in, in, in 49 matches, um, 14 pink ball wickets this season. He's almost unplayable under lights at the moment, um, which I think is a massive um, point of difference. So I guess my case for Chad Sayers is that, look, if you're not going to pick him, fine, but don't don't tell us you take the shield seriously and don't, don't tell us you're to go back and take more wickets uh, like they always do because he, he can't take any more wickets. I mean, he's, just, he's absolutely killing at the moment. So um, it's one of those things, if they, if they, if they want to take the shield seriously, some of these blokes at some stage have to be rewarded, rewarded and have to play, especially when he's got that, you know, at, at the gabbard, they were just sitting down to the ground. So um, 
I reckon it'd be it'd be great to see him have a crack, and it'd be very tough on on Jackson Bird. But this 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 one is shaped as a perfect place to play him. Oh, without doubt. So all that eighty-seven um, makes makes the contest um, fairly easy. One would have thought for for South Australia, but I uh, go through the bowling. Chad Sayers five for Richardson three for um, did did most of the damage and. Um, Gee, you made hard work of it. The South Australians made hard work of it. Eight for 121, just getting across the line. And um, how important was Jake Lehman's innings in that second yeah, dig? Yeah, it was just it was just amazing. I mean, um, all the blokes, uh, there is a, you know, the South Australian batsmen sometimes, and you could lose a couple of wickets. The opposition usually reckons they can run through them. But um, there's just a couple of blokes just starting to, start, starting to show fight these days, like Jake Weatherall. Um, he's been impressive most of the season. Missed out... Uh, this game, but yeah, the way the way Jake Lemon batted was, um, you know, absolutely uh, phenomenal. Um, in, in that first innings, Chad Sayers actually got about 25, which probably runs with the bat as well, which actually probably helped him in the end. But um, he, he was there at the end with um, uh, with Jake uh, when he hit the winning runs, and they had a massive, you know, hug in the middle of the of the park to, just because to, they knew how close they'd come to losing. So to um, do some heavy hitting at the end was was really impressive. And um, this bloke Charlie Stobo from New South Wales, he was playing Durham second X one. Um, uh, last year, he's come from nowhere, but he took eight wickets for the match. So he's um, he's also one to watch. He was he was he was making everyone play. Very very um, honest bowler. Not nice height about him. Nice bounce, and um, it could be one of the one to watch for the future you as well. You spoke about Weatherald, who's uh, I think he's averaging forty seven in first class cricket, yeah. twenty five and seventeen in this game. So starts without kicking on, which would frustrate him. But he's made hundreds this campaign as well. He's only twenty one or twenty two, so definitely yeah, one to, to keep an eye on, along with the likes of uh, we know Travis Dean and, and obviously Renshaw. Mm. Yeah, he's really exciting, Jake. Well, they're all. I mean, he made those two big sort of. He made a ninety and a, and a sixty in the in the Shield final against Victoria. When batting was hard again, and uh, and there was big raps on him from ever since that that time, and then when he only, he'd only played two games, um, to that point, and he's got a, t- a ton already this season. He's got another AT. He's been making runs, um, and the thing about you like about young blokes, he is don't worry, boys. He he is not short on confidence. <laughs> he he backs himself. Um, he's, he's a he's a different character. He really shows a lot of um, a lot of uh, a lot of composure, but a lot of confidence for a young bloke, and that's what you like to see. And there's, there's, there's something special about him. So I think going ahead, he's he is definitely uh, one to watch. Oh, without doubt. They're looking for players up the top of the order. Renshaw came in and, and did okay. Yep. But um, yep. to have options, it, it's it's um, it's all good. But of Sabo, as you said, uh, he looked the goods. Four for 46 in the second. He's only bowled 11 overs, so they got after him a bit. Yeah, yeah exactly right. I mean, it was, it was some of those things. I mean, they, they had to come out and have, have a little bit of swing at him eventually. Um, but, I mean, he, he, he was he was under a lot of pressure for, his, for such a young bowler. Um yeah, and he bowls, you know, great lines, you know, most of the time. They went after him a bit, but um, still, still, still the most dangerous by far um, out of all the um, the pacemen. Um, and then you obviously had line um, starting to come good at the end as well, which is probably a, a good sign for him um, entering his favourite um, place to bowl, which is the gap where he's got 24 wickets uh, and in his previous five games. I guess a final thought on Callum Ferguson. I guess when you're unlucky, yep. you're unlucky. That catch oh, that yeah. got him out in the second innings oh, was a blinder from Nathan Lyon. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the. I mean, yeah. you know, you're going tough when you look. He, look, he had to go for the shot. It was a, it was a, you know, really wide delivery. Um, yeah, if he had his time again, you know, he'd probably want to do a bit better with it. But um, the way oh, the vertical leap, the, the vertical leap and Nathan Lyon was um, absolutely mm. unbelievable. A, a meter off the ground, um, one-handed specky. Uh, I don't think he could believe he took it. So um, that's when you know your, your luck's sort of out for a little while when you you get action from a test side and you caught that kind of catch. So. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. When, it, when it goes bad, it just goes south oh. very quickly, doesn't it? 
Yeah, you, you, honestly, and you sort of feel sorry for him. He, he did, did a great job captaining the side, um, Callum. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's obviously you know he's gone through a rough patch after after that one test in Eaton Hobart. Richard, uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, always uh, appreciative of you uh, of you giving us some time for us. Thanks, boys. Cheers, yeah. Richard. Thank you, Richard Earl. There it reminds me. Mark Taylor talks about it in his book. I've got the uh, the captain's diary from '97 when he was going through that rough run of form, and he said it was like that. That uh, you'd middle one, and someone would take a diving right-handed catch uh, at full stretch, or uh, guys would run you out with direct hits from three quarters of the way to the boundary. When you're out of form, they just find ways <laughs> to uh, to get miraculous Boy. ways of getting you out. So. I, I remember doing a, a yeah. dinner for Mark Taylor. Um, he had a testimonial at, mm. at uh, Crown Casino mm-hmm. and um, we were up on the panel and he was talking about the tough time mm. that was that, yeah. that series and how tough it was and Ian Hilly chimed in and said oh yeah it's not easy to fail against England is it? <laughs> 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 yeah, you sit there but er- everything he did everything like, yeah. it, like he, he was just nicking balls that he, he wouldn't normally nick he mm. was he was getting caught he'd hit one in the you'd middle you'd nick every and, good ball oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. normally normally you play and miss it a couple but yeah. um, certainly a fantastic captain for Australia and uh, I suppose the old Greg Chappell uh, he's, I'm not hitting him badly I'm just getting out yeah that's right I, was, I can't remember who it was it was a former Australian player was in England in 97 playing for one of the counties and dropped Mark Taylor at second slip in a county game before the first test and Taylor went on to make 100 and he often wonders whether that might have been done on purpose someone uh, looking after the Australian captain uh, a little bit in, in that situation. Well, I think you, it was, cer- you certainly hope so. I think it was Kieran Perkins who gave him the advice. So, yeah. That was just after he'd won at Atlanta, just said um, what you need to do is go and play golf for a week and forget about cricket and put yeah. the bags away. And um, Obviously, Callum Ferguson's captaining South Australia at the moment. He's going to play for the Renegades, so it's a bit hard for him to do that. But yeah, um, yeah you'd oh. think it'd be a little bit difficult oh, for mate, him at present. It, so. it, it, it'll turn. It'll mm. turn for him. There's no doubt he's a good player. He works hard. Um, just goes through a rough patch. He can do two things. Um, you can work hard or you give up. And yeah. I don't think Colin Ferguson's a bloke that's going to give up. No, I don't think so. And uh, look, catches like that, you can't do much about it. We'll get to a break. We'll wrap Queensland and WA to third of the Shield Games, which was a belter as well after this. Listening to Stumps. It is Stumps. Darren Parkin here with Merv Hughes. For Kookaburra Cricket, you can jump on the open line, 1300 If it ain't a cooker, it ain't cricket. Hashtag Team Kookaburra. And Greg and West. Uh, oh, hang on. Yeah. Just before we go to Greg, yeah. uh, can you give us that if it ain't. If it ain't a cooker. It ain't cricket. Because so we rehearsed this, and you went you went away from script. So it's not cooker. Script. It's not cricket. Bats, pads, gloves, ball stumps, hockey gear. They got everything, Kookaburra. They do. We love them. They, we do love them. And it was Lee Watts' birthday earlier in the week, and I can't understand why he's still not playing for Fitzroy Doncaster. Turned 27. All right. For about the... 30th time. <laughs> <laughs> he can't get it right. So Happy gotta, birthday, Lou. He's got to keep doing it. Uh, Greg in West Meadows has joined us on that uh, Kookaburra open line. A chat about that Mark Taylor story. Greg, thanks for your call. Yeah, evening, gents. Merry Christmas to you both. You too. Greg, good on you, mate. Uh, yeah, I think one of your old sparring partners, I think it might have been Dean Jones. Who, uh, yeah, it was. For, I think it might have been played for Essex. It was. Uh, I reckon it was Durham. Uh, to be okay, honest, yeah, and, no, right. and where Dash said before that he may have been deliberately dropped, if it had been Dean Jones in slips, it wouldn't have been deliberate. <laughs> uh, thanks, uh, Greg. It was. It was right. definitely Dean Jones. Thank so. you very much for that, Greg. And that would have been yeah, just after. In fact, he might yeah, have still been playing. We, got Greg there there still? Uh, we probably do. Yeah, Greg, you still there? Yep. Um, did you have a game today anywhere, mate? No, 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 I haven't played for a few years, mate. No, yeah. I'm um, rising 50, so no, I've, I've uh, had enough of it. Happily retired. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's the way to go. 
That's all I got. Greg in West. Give us a call. Whether red, pink or white, the cooker is a choice for cricketers across Australia and the world. And remember, if it ain't a cooker, it ain't cricket. Hashtag Team Cookerborough. Here we go. Got some advice for Cookerborough. Yeah. Drop the pink ball. Mm-hmm. I have a blue ball. Blue ball. Yep. Oh. Red, white, and blue. <laughs> Let's go. Ducks, you've got to be all over it. Go the dogs. I'm just trying to think what conditions you could use a blue ball in. That would, uh, I don't care. I was going to say that just would play. Colour. You have to play on the moon or something. That would, that would create all sorts of havoc. Oh. We're going to go now to uh, John Townsend, who joins us from the Western Australian, have a bit of a chat about to the Shield game between Queensland and WA, which was another game like the other two that had twists and turns in it all over the place and it, uh, ended up with a convincing win for the home side. John, thanks for your time. No worries. In fact, I'm just watching two of the players from that game. Uh, Aston Agos just bowling to Adam Voges in a club game in Perth that I'm watching. So, uh, and, very lovely day in Perth. 37 degrees. Couldn't who, ask for anything better. Who's getting the upper hand in that contest? Uh, Voges about 40. Agos bowled okay without really being all that threatening, but uh, Voges going along pretty nicely. He's uh, He's done well since he got hit in the scone the other day. He got 100 in club cricket last week. Got a 70 knot in the shield game and He's about 40 not out at the moment, going pretty well. And if the national selectors are looking for a 37-year-old to bat in the middle order, he's probably the man. Well, it's good that he's doing that because um, had had a bit of poor form, um, got dropped from the Australian side. Well, he was out injured technically, but but got hit in that last game. And for him to come back and, and show that he's still got it, I, I reckon it's peace of mind. So uh, as we said, for the Australian selectors to have choices, it's good if they're more worried about who they're leaving out, it's, it's, a, it's a real positive for Australian cricket. Now, on to this game, uh, Queensland batting first, three three fifty three, um, off the back of Usman Kawaja, who, who just keeps uh, finding form. Yeah, it was it was tough going. I mean, the, the pink ball at night is, it's probably not as, it's not doing as much as it did last year. It's not swinging as much, but it went all day. And so Kawaja did pretty much what he did in the test match a week early, just let him bowl to him and, very patient, faced a lot of faced 280 balls, I think it was. So he faced a lot of balls and uh, just allowed them to bowl to him and put them away when they were there. Batted through. They, they were probably a little bit disappointed with the, the score. There was a, they probably left 50 out there. And as it turned out, they they, um, they were a bit underdone. But he, he was the standout batsman in the game and his class is just showing at the moment. I mean, he's going as well as anyone in, in world cricket. Well, the two guys we've got to talk about, Renshaw and, and Burns at the top of the order. Burns got 14, so you'd have to say he missed out again. But uh, Renshaw with 38 off 80 balls uh, looked to, to occupy the crease a bit. Yeah, he, did. he spent a lot of time. He didn't look in great nick. I mean, he was he was searching for form and wasn't that fluent. Again, similar to what he showed in the in the test match, I guess, where you got a bit of criticism for being, you know, travelling along so slowly, 30-odd from 150 balls or 130 balls, I think it was, and... It really couldn't get going, and uh, Burns hit three fours in the first over of the game, and looked looked out of sorts. Actually, you know, hit hit a couple through the covers at weight, you know, waist height, and went for four. Got out first ball he faced from the next over, and didn't do anything in the second inning. So he's uh, he's a bit disappointed, I guess. Lost his spot in the Test side, and no, maybe be. just gone off the boil a fraction. And so Renshaw, look, I'm not. He's not the. Uh, he's not in great nick at the moment, but. What he does do, he's got that capacity just to bat time, doesn't he? And yeah. pushes the bat down the line and the ball you know, misses the ball, but the ball misses the bat. Um, the, the bloke I've got to ask about, I don't know too much about him. He's played 14 state games, but making got uh, five for 68. Um, can yep. you, can you, what, yeah, what's he like what? as a bowler? Is he quick? Is he? No, no, he's, he's uh, probably bowled, you know, bowls in the mid 120s. He's six foot eight, so 202 oh. centimetres. Comes from a farm in Tamman, which is out in the West Australian wheat belt, dry 
dry as his farm, probably. Yeah. He's, a, he's a good lad. Um, Bowles, you know, it's sort of a bit similar to, to Big Joe Angel from years gone past in, in WA. It hits the deck, but bowls good outing. So he can bowl a good length at the whack, which I reckon is it's important at the whacker. If you bowl too short, you know, the ball just goes over the stumps and over the bats. And he bowls a good length, draws the bats from forward, and he got about eight of his 11 wickets in the game when Nick's behind. So he's drawing them in. He gets reasonable bounce. Not great pace, but uh, good solid. Um, he's a good solid player. Ryan Duffield's the other batsman here at this game. He's just got out too, so there's another state player yep. in action here. Um, and so, yeah, so Macken, I mean, he's a real prospect. He's been around the place for about three years for WA, but had stress fractures, yeah, the standard yep. fast bowlers problems, stress fractures and hamstring problems in the last couple of years, and has been on a bit of a slow boil for the last uh, month or two, and uh, that was his best performance, obviously, in his career. Youngest West Australian to take 11 wickets, so uh, well, that's that's, he's done good, pretty well there. And Good achievement. You know, like he, he hasn't yeah. sort of gone up against too much, has he? The West Australia haven't had too many fast bowlers over the years. It could challenge <laughs> that. No. no, <laughs> no Jesus, really. Just let me think about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alderman, yeah. Lily, Reid, oh, you, you yeah. could just peel yeah. them off, couldn't you? But <laughs> uh, yeah. an interesting innings from West Australia. They're, they're virtually trailed by, by 100. Um, Bancroft at the top of the order, 16. You had Turner make 100, and then really handy contributions from Agar and Nicholas down the, down the track to, to virtually, well, you would have thought 100 behind. You, you're not really in the game, are you? No, well, they were, and they were in diabolical too. They were 4 for 40 and then, and then 7 for 120, so they were nearly 250 behind and the, the tail in. And Nicholas, who's about 5 foot tall, so you've got Mackin, who's 202, and Nicholas is about <laughs> 161. He's, he's quite slippery, but he's a midget. Right. And they they just bounced him, and he just kept hooking and pulling and got away with it, got a 50 in pretty rapid time. And Turner at the other end, you know, provided some, some fireworks as right. well, had a, had a fair crack at it, and got him out of trouble. I, I guess when you're that far behind, you've got nothing to lose if you have a dip, and, and they did, and got close enough to be competitive. And I think Queensland had their foot on the throat at 7 for 120 and then, and then let it off, and... WA came home pretty strongly. Uh, bowling for, for Queensland is interesting. Feldman just go, keeps keeps on keeping on, doesn't he? He's, I suppose he reminds me a lot of Joe Angel, where there's not a real lot of talk about him, but gee, he takes some wickets. And he, he's got the big in-cutter, too, or the in-duckers in that he bowls, too. He's sort of quite a square on action and yeah. classic in-swing action. And he, he cut, in the first innings, he cut uh, Voges in half about four times in a row and then bowled one that straightened the other way and he got a nick to slip. And so, I mean, it was classic swing bowling, um, hits the deck pretty hard. He, he was a handful with the with the pink ball because he bowled, uh, he bowled at his best at about 7 o'clock just at twilight when the you know, lights just came on and um, just couldn't get the wickets. I mean, he got a couple in the innings but could have taken five or six and it might have been, been game then. Yeah. Um, he, he did um, he did pretty well. George George doesn't really swing it. He, he hits the deck and nips it around a bit. He was pretty steady. Um, and Wildermuth was... Uh, He's a bit of a handful too. Bats at six and bowls pretty handy seamers. Um, so they've got a they've got a reasonable attack. Uh, Queensland Swepson got yeah. a couple of wickets late, but uh, you know the leggy's not going to do much in a pink ball game at night. Agar didn't take a wicket in the game either, so you know the spinners didn't do much at all. Um, but they you know, they're, they're bowling. They're probably a bit disappointed that they couldn't keep the foot on the throat once they they got WA down. 
Yeah, well, with that 100 in front, you'd be thinking, woohoo, here we go. Uh, Kawaja goes out and gets 61. So if you heard that, you're thinking Queensland yeah. by how far. But uh, West Australia knocked them over for 138. And again, Macon, you said 11 wickets in the game, 6 for 33 or 15.5. Geez, that's some sort of spell. Yeah, and he, he and, and Moody bowl really well too. The young bloke, David Moody, yep. um, he's a nephew of Big Tom. And um, he's about Tom, maybe even a bit bigger than Tom, but quite slender. He's, he's quite a slippery sort of bowler. Great athlete, and uh, quite a good he bowls with good rhythm on on the weekend or in the game after really battling for rhythm over the season. So far, hasn't bowled much over the over the season. Came together. So the two young blokes bowled together for a uh, for about an hour after lunch on the third day, or after tea on the third day, and took seven for. 40 in about uh, 50 minutes. So, you know, they Kawaja looked uh, head and shoulders above the rest, but no one else got going, and wickets kept falling. I think five, uh, five fell in consecutive overs after lunch. So, yep. so WA were right on top, and then it was simply a matter of just uh, counting down the run chase. Well, two, 227 to win. Uh, you lose a couple of early wickets. So Bancroft out for 23. Uh, Klinger, who's fairly reliable, mm. um, out for one. And um, is it Jonathan Wells? Uh, yep, came yep. across from, from Tasmania, 113. And uh, as we spoke about, the, the veteran, Adam Voge, is just reminding the te- test selectors that he's still around with uh, 78. And he does perform when West Australia needs him, doesn't he? Yeah, well, look, he's, he's a brilliant player. He's, he's steely. I mean, that's probably not recognised. He, he looks like a good sort of fluent type of batsman. But he's, he's steel, the steely nature that he brings is, is not really recognised, I guess. But... But if you make your test of 35 and then do as well as he did, you've got to have something pretty special, and I think he's got it. They, they, had a, they were lucky in a way that the, the, way, the, the way the run chase went, they were only going to bat a couple of hours on the, first, on the third night. Mm. So they set themselves probably to get 100, and they got to two for 100, and then the next or a bit more than that, and then the next day they had, a, you know, had all day to knock off about uh, 60, I think it was. So they, they didn't have to look at a big target at the time, they could break it down a bit and and really once once they got through those first couple of early wickets and Wells and um, Bogies got settled it looked as though they were just going to cruise home and that's actually exactly what happened John, uh, thank you very much for the other uh, wrap hopefully we can uh, check in with you again as the summer rolls on no worries, all right. Good on you, boys. And Cheers, go John. The Bulldogs. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> there, there as well. Uh, you seem to be finding Bulldogs fans everywhere ah, at the moment. Yes, we so, do. Coming out of right. woodwork, aren't they're we? They're all over the place. I was talking to Sean Graff during the week, and said that he supporter. can come on and talk about the Bulldogs if he wanted, but he was yeah. actually away. So. Well, you, you were away uh, a couple of weeks ago. We had to talk to him about the Bulldogs. Yeah, no, I was here for that. Yeah. I do remember okay, that chat. Yeah. I was here for that one. So, uh, about how many times you've watched the replay between yeah. the two of you to this point? Well, how what, many? About, what about that? I reckon the show's just about dusted, and we haven't even spoken about really in depth about the 3 1 day. So, no. Plenty of cricket happening around the place. Shield cricket. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys on the verge of getting the Australian yeah. side still there. I uh, haven't even given a footscray score today. That's how busy we are. No, it's been so busy. We haven't even had to get to the district <laughs> realms. Merv, thank you. Cheers, Dash. We'll Again, three votes. You've killed them. Three votes. You're, well, you can have, the, you can have the, the two and the one. This has been Stumps for Kookaburra Crickets. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.